0: Welcome in, everybody, to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek here with another episode learning every single day how not to be a youth pastor, and we are on location. Uh, Welcome. We got a new setup today uh, for our podcast. Uh, It took us honestly way too long. Uh, yep. In my mind, every single episode up until this one has been in my in my office uh, at church but Derek, we are on location for episode 39 at of our the- new building. Up at the Bridge Church. Oh, I, th-
1: I thought you were going to talk about our new building from our podcast. With all the <laughs> all the revenue we've been generating from this podcast, yeah, we decided to... We uh, Dave Ramsey'd it and yeah.
0: decided to purchase a building specifically for recording our o- podcast. Over
1: on the West Wing, we have a putting green Obviously. and a gaga ball practice arena. It with, looks eerily similar to the Dude Perfect warehouse. Yes. Uh, it's actually where we drew our inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we Full-length basketball court inside. Yep. We, we did feel it was pertinent to invest into some, um, you know, like in football, you have the sleds where they have like the, oh yeah, the foam outline of the players and you push the sled. Uh, they actually make Gaga ball versions of that. Interesting. Uh, it, it's like foam mannequin basically, where you just put them so we can kind of practice our, our hits from yep. distance, yep. you know? Yeah,
0: and you know, you're familiar with like, they call it the jugs machine in football where like, you know, the, you yes. got the thing that like just shoots the footballs at you Yeah. Uh, we also invested in one of those to to throw Gaga balls at us. Correct to to because uh, yeah, you have to be able to hit other players, but you also have to be able to avoid and block yep. and defend as well. So
1: and to encourage the optimal dodging, they actually yes. created a uh, a spiked ball version where they have actual spikes sticking out of the ball. So if you get hit, it really hurts. So well, that's. Terrifying! All, all the patents that Kyle and I have been working on yeah. are coming. But into it does,
0: you know. I I will forever and always lean on some of the great wisdom from good friend of the show, P. O'Houlihan. Uh, <laughs> P. O'Houlihan. It, when it Hold comes on. to uh, you know, there's there's really five keys to avoiding. Yes. Um, avoiding the the ball in dodge or in uh, dodgeball, in Gaga ball in whatever in this spike thing. Yep. yep. Dodge. Dive, dip, duck, and dodge. Yeah, is uh, it's very important. R- R.I.P. to P.O. Hulahan, by oh, the way. Great friend of the show, and, yep. and what a poet, P.O. Hulahan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quick question of the day before we get into our episode, Derek, do you remember your first day on the job as a youth pastor?
1: I do, I do. My first day on the job, I actually had this building that we're sitting in. Yep. which is actually our church. Uh got to myself uh my lead pastor at the time was on a retreat where he had to be out of the office and so I remember it was crazy I remember like going to fill up with gas going wow I'm going to a full-time job where I actually have like a consistent amount of money like or revenue basically salary that's what I'm looking for and uh, <laughs> voca, yeah I were talking about all these things before had threw me off but uh, no, like, I I remember very vividly going, man, holy cow, this is full time ministry as a thing here now. We're actually doing this thing, and it was it was crazy. I remember getting here, going, I'm not really sure what to do right now. <laughs> I think we've talked about that in previous yep. podcasts where it's like. Uh, okay, so now what? You know, what do we do from here? And um all I did was that, that first day I just kinda started calling around. I had a list of different youth students that were in the area, sort we of calling them around, left some very awkward voicemails because I had no idea how to respond or address myself or do really anything and so I
0: would pay a lot of money to gain access to oh, those dude, recordings.
1: There okay, so there was this one situation where I got you know when you get tongue tied and you like almost like you get so tongue tied that you try to like correct yourself but the more you try to correct yourself like the more tongue tied you get I, I ended up getting so so tongue tied i just stopped talking and i was <laughs> hoping cuz like sometimes if you go for a really long time um, at the end of a voicemail they'll say would you still like to keep recording or would you like to re-record that's what i was waiting for yep and so i had like the most tongue tied awful stumbling situation i've ever had probably ever and I'm just, and then I stopped talking. I'm just listening for it, and all of a sudden, the voicemail person goes goodbye and hangs up the phone. Oh no! So I end up calling them back, and I'm like, "Hey, this is Pastor Derek at the Bridge. I just left you an incredibly terrible voicemail. I'm really sorry." And then I kind of share what I actually wanted to share, but it was bad news. Let me tell oh, you. Oh,
0: that's awkward. Um, yeah, I believe that because uh, I know when you're when you're the internet is. Pretty vague on this, but I believe that if you press three at some point, uh, you have that'll kind of give you the option to re-record uh, your voicemail. Sure, uh, it might have to be star and then three, or pound and then three, or something like where that. Where were but, you
1: five years ago?
0: Uh, not giving you advice on how to leave a voicemail. Apparently, I guess I
1: guess, I guess that's where we're at. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> no, I uh, I remember my first day on the job was uh, taking. Like twenty kids to summer camp. Um, that was your first day, very first day. the uh, The youth pastor before me, his last Sunday was was July thirty first, and then August first. Uh, that Monday uh, was my first day, and that was the day that that we were taking our kids to camp. And so, I think if I remember correctly, I was already going anyway because um, I was I was the intern. Yeah, uh, you know, before they left. And, and so I was planning to go to camp anyway, but now I was in charge of it quick. We got to get Kyle's insurance on the church van or no, it wasn't a church van at that point. We had a family in our church that had a 12 passenger van that we were, that, that we were borrowing for the week. So I had to, uh, drive that, um, and, uh, just take a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of my brand new youth kids up to, up to camp. It was, and you weren't an
1: ax murderer, so that's a bonus.
0: That's typically a bonus when it comes to any level of, of youth pastors, youth volunteers, uh, staying away from violating 10 commandments on a regular basis is usually a a good good idea. Yep. Um, So today's episode, uh, you know, the, our first, our, our quick question was inspired by today's episode topic. We, uh, we received a, uh, a question via email uh, at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, Shameless from, plug, by the way. Obviously. Uh, good friend of the show, Tristan, uh, wrote in and basically said that uh, his church uh, in Missouri, or Missouri, uh, depending on where you're from, they, uh, they basically approached him and tasked him with starting a youth ministry
1: from scratch, which sounds terrifying. And this is not like the scratch that you see on TikTok where it's like, I'm going to make homemade donuts. And they take a donut from the store and then like mush right. it all yeah. together and then <laughs> rebake it. And <laughs> this is not, this is not that type of scratch.
0: No, no, literally from the ground up, uh, tasking Tristan with, uh, with this, uh, task. And so he, uh, reached out to us and was like, Hey, did you guys do this episode already on how to start a youth ministry from scratch or got any tips? And uh, so, you know, we responded within seven to 10 business days and, uh, we, um, I think we, I'm pretty sure it was sooner than that, but, uh, you know, seven had to a, 10
1: business days,
0: <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> well, we, you know, I prefer to set really low expectations for our listeners. That's probably and, good. And then they will be pleasantly surprised when we respond within that day. Uh, but he, uh, he and I had a great conversation back and forth a couple times and, uh, it kind of inspired us to, to do an episode here on, uh, you know, what does it look like to to start a youth ministry from scratch? Uh, you know, obviously, we have a list of seven uh seven things on our to-do list we called it uh for for anybody in that position, but uh we're we're wishing Tristan the absolute best yeah. here and uh hopefully we uh can say something that is
1: useful at yeah. all. <laughs> well, this is kind of fun for me too because you know when when I came here, my first day, I hate to even say this because it sounds a little prideful, but it, it's it's not. But really, when I got here, there really wasn't much of a youth ministry established. I mean, they met occasionally, and they had they had a few pieces in place, but by and large, we really had a blank canvas in terms of when we stepped in to take over. We were kind of tasked with very similar to Tristan of going, all right, we would love to see you build up this youth ministry, and let me tell you one thing. It was really fun and it was really exciting. When you are staring at something that's completely new and completely undeveloped, you go, man, we get to build this. That's really fun and that's really exciting. But I can also tell you from experience, it's absolutely terrifying and it is insanely, insanely stressful going, I don't know how, I don't know where. I don't know what there's all these questions that are left unanswered. And depending how you look at it, that's the fun part. You get to really kind of make something out of nothing, but there is that stressful element of going, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. It kind of feels like you're trying to make this massive, um, sculpture out of a blank slab of clay and you're going, I don't know what to do here.
0: Yeah. I, I think that we would all agree that, you know, the great poets D Smyers and S Mooney put it best when, when we say that Derek built it from the ground up. Um, and yes, those are the last names of Dan and Shay. Uh,
1: what, <laughs> what is with you and D and then last name or, or, or like initial like it's patches a hula hand.
0: It's a, uh, re- actually an office reference. If uh, you can believe that I can um,
1: firmly believe that.
0: I believe it is an episode where uh, Andy is I think it's later on in the series, potentially when Andy is uh gunning to be the new manager. Yep, uh, he he makes the comment, uh, like it's something along the lines of you know, the like the great poet JB Jovi once said, uh, I, I <laughs> swear B. to J. you, okay. I'll be there for you, he, and then quotes yep. John Bon Jovi lyrics. Well done. <laughs> um, it's it's something like that, and so yeah, it's it. All of my good stuff is just you original to the about office. You that
1: I, hate. I've noticed this for a long time. I've never publicized this on the podcast. This is terrifying. I might edit this out later. Probably. We'll you probably should. You have some of the most insane attention to detail of any single person I know. Like it's, and it's not just like with important stuff. It's like a few episodes ago when we talked about you picked out that one scene from that one word from National Treasure. Yeah, absolutely. The attention to detail is just like uncanny. I take that as a compliment. I, you should. It's not a bad thing. It's just there are, there are times you do things or send me something and I'm like, this is the most Kyle thing I could possibly think of. That's fair. So- and do you want to
0: know what uh, an arena is that really benefits from an attention to detail? starting a youth ministry from scratch.
1: Oh, look at that transition. And so as we, as
0: we go into our to-do list, um, man, I nailed that. Humbly, I can say I absolutely nailed that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but when it comes to starting a youth ministry from scratch, you have the chance to set the culture from day one. And that can be both really exciting and really terrifying. Yeah. And so our goal here is, uh, is to, provide just some bullet point checklists, uh, for things to do, not necessarily in order, but I do think that, uh, there's, there's a pretty decent flow, uh, to what we have here. And so we'll dive into our to-do list and then, uh, Kyle has a rant that he'll go on, uh, at the end. Kyle rants are worth the
1: the admission, obviously.
0: Uh, so number one, Derek, why don't you go ahead and, uh, dive into number one on the to-do list.
1: You got to establish your vision and your mission for your youth ministry. This is this is consistent with whether you are starting a youth ministry, a children's ministry, a church or really anything. I mean, if you if you don't establish your vision and your mission, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to build a vehicle without a steering wheel. You're just you're just building things around and kind of making it resemble some form of structure or organization or whatever it is but if you don't know where you're going or what you're doing you're really wasting your time because what if God's put you in a position to start a youth ministry you obviously have a call and an anointing on your life that is set apart and set apart for him and if that's the case he's going to give you a specific vision a specific direction a specific design for your ministry that's consistent with him. And so I think a lot of times, especially we've had this rant before too, where it's like there's so much information and systems and here are 10 ways to grow your church. Here are 10 ways to start a youth ministry. Here are yada, 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 all of these sources of information that are really, really good. And so we just start trying to build a ministry, but we don't have an actual vision or a mission for what we want to see God do with it. And so you got to figure out, you know, what that means for you. Like, what do you want your youth ministry to look like? And why is that? Like, what is it like you want to see God do in your students? You want to see God do in your leaders. And along with that, you know, I just, I'm going to go on a rant here for a second as well. Please do. I think a lot of times, you know, we live in a culture where social media really is the lifeline behind pretty much everything we do. And what happens with that is you see these youth pastors, you see these pastors who jump in and start something and it's like they start something and all of a sudden they have 150 people there and they're going, man, they're a really good leader. And so you try and do the same thing and you have two kids show up and you're like, hmm, I'm the worst. And so I think as you're establishing your mission and your vision, there are a few things you need to do. Number one, spend time in prayer and worship. If if you're tasked with this idea of like, all right, I'm going to start a a youth ministry. Don't just start researching, okay, here are some ways to build a youth ministry. Don't listen to this podcast, Stephen. Like if you are tasked with that, turn off all the noise, spend some time with the Lord, pray, get into your word and figure out what God wants to do with you. But then this is my rant. Have proper expectations a really big mentor of mine told me this after he was, this is when I was three years into our ministry and he was asking how things were going. I said, they're going really well now. And he goes, what do you mean now? I said, well, I think this year we've seen more fruit and more good things happen in our ministry than we have up to this point combined. And he goes, that doesn't surprise me. I was like, okay, cool. He goes, when you look at trees, like then I had to pull this quote, but he said, when you are trying to plant a tree in your yard or your house or whatever it is, here's the quote. The first year it sleeps, the second year it creeps, and the third year it leaps. Again, this is in the context of trees. So when you plant a tree or tree seeds, that first year you're going to see zero growth. The second year you're going to see just a little tiny sapling or a sprout. And the third year you're gonna see holy buckets. This thing quadrupled, you know, it it it's huge now. It actually resembles a tree. And the very same thing is true of youth ministry. I think a lot of the we, we talked about this at some point, but I think like the average tenure of a youth pastor, Kyle, wasn't it like something like eighteen months or something? Yeah, I think Ridiculous. it's twelve
0: to eighteen months, yeah.
1: somewhere in there. Which is ridiculous because that's the average. So yep. that means there's a lot of people who did far less than that. And I think what happens is they go, I'm going to do this awesome thing. I'm going to establish this ministry. I've got a God-given vision a God-given mission to do this really cool thing. And you get in there and you don't see fruit right away. And it bums you out. It discourages you. It makes you feel like a failure. And so you quit. But like this takes time for all this stuff to manifest.
0: Yeah. I got to be honest. If If your thing is... I want to see at least even semi-immediate fruit. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you're in youth ministry. Youth ministry is not for you. Because <laughs> uh, most of what you do as a youth pastor is underappreciated. Most of what you do as a youth pastor are is planting seeds uh, for a harvest that you're not going to be around for. Yep. Not because you're dead, but because you know those students graduate, they move on. And when their faith really starts to take root,
1: they might not be around your youth ministry. Yeah, that's good. That's insanely good. And so, you know, I think as we just jump into this, you know, with two feet forward, I guess. it's so- How else do you jump into things? Head first. Okay, yeah. Or you tuck I your suppose. feet into a cannonball.
0: All right. So this is like a... Feet first. This is a, this like a, a pencil dive. I was just going to
1: say a pencil yeah. dive. Correct. Yeah, we're going right to the bottom.
0: You know what? I could also make a uh, National Treasure
1: reference here if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Tell me after it, because I'm very curious. All right. to with the pencil dive. <laughs> but no, I think realistically and honestly, we're about to talk about some very specific strategic things, but I guess it, it's just so important to start... If, you're, if you are going to start a ministry, you need to start here. You need to start with spending time with Jesus, figuring out that mission and and stay anchored to that and not your growth metric. Because if you stay anchored to Jesus and your vision and mission from him, when things are good, you're anchored. When things are bad, you're just as anchored. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for joining Absolutely. us today. It's been a great time. Yeah.
0: Great podcast episode, Derek. I think that, uh, well, that pretty much nails it and wraps it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think being willing to stick it out is important. And I, I think I've said on the podcast, you know, it, it usually takes about four or five years for you to really establish your culture anyway. Yeah. So giving up after 12 to 18 months, is uh, is not ideal. Uh, to-do list, number two, talk to other youth pastors in your area. Uh, find out from them, you know, kind of who they are, what they're passionate about, what are they doing really well. Uh, a couple examples just from my own context. And and this is, you guys know, if you listen to the podcast for any amount of time, it's really hard for me to give my kids pastor props publicly because um, <laughs> we have a longstanding standing. A uh, prank war that I won, uh, but he when he first got to our church, uh, you know, vacation Bible school VBS uh, over the summer. It's a very common thing for youth ministries at churches to do, and we are kind of on Church Road. There's like four or five churches uh, on the same road as us within like a mile of each other, and there's a couple of them that do a summer VBS really, really well. And so what he did. Was he asked, okay, what can we do that's different uh, than the, like, they do it really well. Let's let that be their thing. And so he got plugged into this thing called Mega Sports Camp, uh, which is, again, impressive because he's not a sporty person, uh, but he and his team do a phenomenal job putting together this Mega Sports Camp, and it's something different. Uh, than the other churches around him, they're each able to kind of hit their own niche, and uh, and I think that's really cool. Uh, another example: there's there's a church that is really close to us that is would be qualified as a mega church. Uh, you know, they're kind of right in our backyard, and we have had some you know families or individual students come and start attending our church because they were at this larger church, but they want to go deeper. Uh, They want more relationship. And that's really, really hard to do at a church of that size. Right, And so, you know, we, and and this was, this was kind of who we were anyway. This was already a part of our DNA, but we are able to be almost that next step for some of those students or some of those families in general that are looking for something a little bit deeper. Uh, and you know, if I want to use a mega church as, as the feeder into our youth ministry, I'll take it. It wasn't, wasn't really part of the plan. That was never, you know, something that they mapped out as a strategy in, (laughs) in school, but it kind of, you know, started to become a thing and it's, you know, if they want to stay at that other church, I have no problem with that. I'm not actively recruiting kids away from this other church. They do a phenomenal job of doing that all on their own. You know, they, (laughs) they, they grow all the time because they're getting kids that don't go to church at all. And sometimes some of those students are ready for something a little bit deeper. And if they want to, you know, come check out our church, that's great. Uh, you know, but it's a little bit, It it can be a little bit about finding your niche uh, in your area. And, and again, I'll give props to our kids pastor because he is not a sports person. Mm -hmm. You know, it is like you can do something as a youth pastor that is outside of your wheelhouse and your passions uh, because you know that it is going to be a big benefit to your students. Uh, but back to my original point, you know, talking to other youth pastors in your area can also, you know, building those relationships can help to provide a support network as well. Uh, there might be things that you and other youth pastors in your area can do together. Uh, you know, whether that is a uh, community day, uh, it could be if, if there's a uh, concert that you guys want to put on or whatever it is, uh, different youth ministries coming together and, and all of you being on the same team is rare. And so initiating that as you're starting this journey can be really, really uh beneficial,
1: well, especially if you're in a smaller town, which i- guess, I guess that's a very subjective term in terms of what you view it as i mean if you're If you're listening to this in California, you know you, a version of a small town to you might be a hundred thousand people, but uh, in and yet. Friend of the
0: show, Tristan, is in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm going to go out on a limb and qualify that as not a small town. Correct. It's not a small town.
1: I guess this could apply to really any town, though. But, you know, my whole philosophy is like, I don't just pastor our church. Like, my desire is to pastor our community. And so, if you get a group of youth pastors who are all on the same page and supporting each other, that changes your community. Because just because little Johnny enjoys going to my youth group doesn't mean that the other youth pastor in the area is not going to be important because when something goes down at the school and they need support, all of us being on the same page is super, super important. And right. You know, it's, it's just good to have people who get it. I think that's, that's another part of having that person that corner is when stuff just, there are struggles that are consistent in every community and to have somebody to bounce that off of who gets it is super, super helpful. But Along with that a whole idea of community and having people around you, I think it's super important. Number three, when you're trying to establish a youth ministry from scratch, to find other adult leaders who can help you to take off with your ministry. Um, you know, it's you cannot be Superman in this case. You cannot build a ministry and you be the one who preaches and organizes the games and plays worship and does all these different things. Like you got to have other people. That can help you, and you know it's it's more than just finding warm bodies, right? It's more than just trying to figure out, hey, you're living. Would you be one of my youth leaders? You know, at first it might be that's all that you can muster up, but ultimately, what you're trying to find are people who are just as excited about youth ministry as you are, and so it's important for you as you try to seek those people out, knowing like what you expect of them, if you expect them to be there two hours earlier before it even begins to help pray and you plan for them to stick around an hour afterwards to help clean up, you should know that before you ask them, will you be a youth leader? You should know what it is that you need from them because if if they show up right on time and you're going, man, they're just not a good leader, that's on you as the youth pastor, not as on them as the person. So knowing the expectations, but also know like, you're not, you don't need to just go find that caliber, you know, that Bible college level caliber leader in your ministry because odds are they might not be in your church. Like you might find someone who's quote unquote not perfect. Maybe they're not a boisterous leader. Maybe they're not super, super gifted in terms of speaking. And they'll probably tell you that. And you go up and you say, Hey, will you come be a part of our youth ministry team? I don't know, man. I'm just not that good at this side or the other thing that's okay. Like it's our job as a youth pastor, as part of training up a youth ministry to train and develop those leaders into being better leaders. Like that is on us. And so, you know, if you get somebody who says, I'm not that great with youth or I'm not that great with whatever, you can just say, what if I trained you? You know, and that gives them more of an opportunity to feel engaged. And so, Ultimately, you got to find other people because you physically cannot do this alone or you will burn out or you'll just have a small group of kids that never, ever grows.
0: Absolutely. All right. Before we dive into uh, number four on our seven point to do list, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a short break here from one of our sponsors and then uh, we'll be right back. Okay, we have no sponsors. So, we're right back to it uh
1: with number 4. Uh let let, this, let the record show that um if you would like to sponsor us, you're more than welcome to. We we it's about I think the entry level is 1000 bucks a month for all of our sponsors. Yeah. Um and you can make checks out to Derek. That's D E R E K. <laughs> Uh, and then last name Mum M U M M, and I'll be sure to get it into our funds.
0: I was just gonna say if you can make it out to cash, and then oh, perfect. That that takes the spelling aspect out of it. Uh, plus, then maybe I get some of it. Um, we've never really talked about like what we would do with like if somebody came to us and was like, Hey, I want to like have an ad on your show for like, I've thought about like, you know, ministry schools or, or different things like that. Like if they wanted to have an ad on our show, like we've not ever discussed that before.
1: No, but I mean, how else are we going to pay for uh, our brand new facility? Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question.
0: Um, we'll, we'll have to discuss that not live during the middle of an episode. Um n- number 4 uh this one kind of can sometimes go hand in hand with uh number 3 you know talking about adult leaders. Number 4 is connect with parents. Um you know finding ways to to connect with parents is going to be absolutely critical. Uh you know share a meal with them, find out what's important to them. Uh they have probably you know potentially they've been in the community longer than you have. And so they're going to know some of the uh, more intricate workings of the school system and the school district. Uh, they're going to know uh, if, if they have youth students, obviously, if they are youth parents, uh, they will probably know more youth students than you do at the moment because they're kid and they have friends and everything. Uh, but it's, I think it's also important to find out where the parents are at spiritually. Uh, you know, we do, for our youth ministry two times a year we have parent specific events that are geared toward training up our parents and equipping them to do ministry in their own homes and and disciple their students that is a a lost art and and that's where youth ministry was supposed to start uh unfortunately youth pastors and kids pastors around the company uh, around the company around the company uh, around, we're growing really fast with these no new doubt. ads uh we have we we are the primary spiritual guides for our students when the parents are supposed to be. you know most of our students, I'll say, uh, you know, we are the primary spiritual influences. and so finding out where the parents are at spiritually in uh, your students' lives and then getting to uh you know speak into that and and disciple them and and do some of those different things i think that's that's really really important finding ways to equip the parents uh of your youth students because when the parents uh you know grow in their faith and become better parents become better spiritual influences in their students lives uh it's going to make your youth ministry
1: better well it'll make your church better as well you know this is one of those things where you know so As a lot of our listeners know, I recently became the lead pastor of our church about a month ago. What I know, I didn't. didn't, Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) Because I don't like you. That's fair. Anyways, um, you know, basically what I what I've found in my short time here thus far is there's even a few families that I got really close with as the youth pastor that didn't originally start coming to our church, but now that we've developed that relationship. Now they're coming on Sundays as well, which is really, really fun. And so, you know, this is one of those cool things where this, I, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but at some point we should pull this up where the statistics are staggering. Where if you can get kids and not just like young kids, like children's ministry, but if you can get any child under the age of 18 to get integrated and really involved with the church, you will naturally see that growth. In the Sunday morning attendance as well. Because if the parents see their kids getting excited about something, they too want to know what's going on. And so this is not just, a, if you get involved with parents, this doesn't just help your youth ministry. This helps the ministry in general. This is really, really cool. And let's be honest, until they're 16 anyway, they can't get to your youth ministry. And even if they can drive, if mom and dad aren't bought into who you are and what you're doing, they're not going to let them drive there. And so if you want your kids to be a part of your youth ministry, you got to make sure you're, you know, getting permission and blessing from mom and dad, because that will pay dividends on so many fronts, so many fronts. But, um, as we go along to number five, I know my statistician research development team is looking into the, exact they're, uh, they're working on it. Yeah. Um, I actually
0: don't even know, I don't even remember which statistic I was supposed to be looking up, but I'm looking up statistics that are sort of in that area. So we'll see what- So uh, you're looking
1: up statistics about how long it took to film National Treasure and what their budget was and that type of- No, but I am now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, number five on your to-do list of youth ministry from the ground up. Uh, construction, if you will. Number five, this probably should go without saying, and this probably is what you think would be number one, but it's not. Uh, and that would be getting at least one kid to show up, uh, right? Like this is, this is ultimately like you can have a g- bunch of great leaders. You can have a great vision. You can have, you know, great support from other youth pastors in the area, all these great, great things. But ultimately at the end of the day, if you are establishing a youth ministry, you're looking for, kids to be a part of your youth ministry. And so how do you get kids to show up? Like what is the X factor to really get youth students to be present? Um, And it actually starts outside of the church walls. You know, Kyle and I firmly believe that if you want to see kids walk into your midst and walk into the doors and be a part of what's going on, you need to meet them where they are at. You need to get involved and and just start meeting them. Uh, You know, like, See what's going on at the school district. See what's going on. You know, Kyle and I, are, we've talked about this before in length. We are both coaches. This is not, we're not coaches because we're looking for extra sources of income. We are coaches because- Well,
0: some of us are because our podcast doesn't have any no. source of income. Well,
1: until our sponsorships. I, I think I've think i gotten like two hypothetical emails from our from potential sponsors while we've been recording this that's been unpublished, so.
0: That's impressive. Yeah,
1: we can make things up like that. That's how we roll. Yeah, 75% of statistics are made up on the spot. Amen. No, but I mean, we, we truly are, we want to be coaching because we love this sport and the mo- extra little money is nice. But ultimately, I would say both of our motivations are we want to make an impact in our community, in our schools. We want to get to know other youth students that are not presently a part of our youth ministries. And so that's just a great way to do it is figure out where youth are in your community, figure out what they like to do. If there's a skate park in the area, go hang out at the skate park. Even uh, to Kyle's point, even if you're not a skater, even if you're not, you know, an extreme sports person, go out there and just hang out and meet out, you know, meet with some different people. Uh, You know, if there are kids in your church or families in your church that have youth students, like kids love to eat right? Like get blessings from mom and dad, take them to Raising Cane's, take them to McDonald's, take them somewhere, buy them lunch and just get to know them a little bit better. Like ultimately, if you want kids to show up in your youth ministry, you need to meet them where they are at. You are need to meet them on their turf. You need to develop some friendship, some relationship, some trust, and then they will give that trust back and come be a part of your youth ministry and then they'll bring their friends.
0: So statistics time. Uh, first of all, yes. Uh, you know, just to wrap up the, the idea of, you know, get at least one kid to show up. Um, it's, you weren't even listening. No, I wasn't listening. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm just kidding. Uh, now let me just reiterate everything you said because I wasn't listening. Uh, no, I, I think that like we make a joke, like, yeah, like getting at least one kid to show up is probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but most of that happens, if not all of it happens before that first youth event, you know, it's all in the relationships. Um, Okay. So we were talking about, uh, you know, parents and their faith and equipping them and all of that stuff. Uh, I don't know what I was supposed to be looking up. This stat that I found is not what I was supposed to be looking up, but it's too shocking not to share. I like it. So when it comes to a family who nobody in the family is a Christian, If one of the kids is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there's a three, three and a half percent probability that everyone in that household will follow suit. Okay. If the mom is the first one to become a Christian, there's a 17% chance that everyone else in the household will follow. Do you want to take a guess at what the statistic is if the dad oh, is the first one to become a Christian?
1: It's got to be high. Let's go
0: 91%. 93%.
1: Holy crap.
0: If the dad is the first one to to become a, a Christian in the household, then there's a 93% chance everyone else in the household will follow. Uh, it kind of goes to as well. Um,
1: where'd you get that by
0: the way? Uh, we are on, well, that specific statistic I believe was, uh, from a study. We'll see if he cites his resources. Uh, he, uh, it's probably in here. Uh, data collected by promise keepers and Baptist press. Nice. Uh, impressive. Uh, if this is the stat specifically for, for that, you know, associated with those two. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does one in 50 kids will become a regular worshiper. If the father goes to church regularly, regardless of what the mother does between two thirds and three quarters of the children will attend church as adults. Wow. Uh, so just staggering statistics on men and their involvement in church and the impact that it has on the spiritual lives of their family. What was I supposed to be
1: looking up? I don't even remember. <laughs> the The probability where if if a youth student or a child or a child enjoys coming to church, like the probability that their parents will then come and be a part of what's going on.
0: Oh well, that was kind of that was yeah. kind of no. You, you, were, okay. you were you were you were in it. the ballpark hundred yeah. percent. There's about a three and a half percent probability. Yeah. Uh, but I have, I have experienced
1: that I mean, as that, well. That's becoming a Christian. Uh, I th- Yes. Th- not just, th- this is more like actually coming like, cause I think the stats would be different. In oh, a hundred percent. We,
0: like- I, I have several families, uh, even just recently that uh, their, their kids have been involved in our youth ministry for quite a while. And now they have started to attend our church on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, for sure. All right. Number six, uh, figure out a short-term plan and a long-term plan uh, for your ministry. And, you know, when, when we talk about starting a youth ministry from scratch, uh, you know, like that big kickoff event that you do uh, is is probably something that's worth putting a lot of effort into. You know, that's, And potentially money. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, put resources in that direction, you know, make that kickoff event awesome, whatever direction you want to go with it. Uh, you'll put effort into it, but you have to have a plan for week two, right? You know, you, you have to have something. The kids are then going to come back to, uh, it can't just be everybody, you know, Wednesday at seven o'clock kickoff and the following Wednesday, like everybody shows up at the same time, like, all right, now what? And you're all yeah. just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, yep. trying to figure out what to do. Uh, you'll have a plan for you know, what your standard Wednesday night is going to look like, you know, almost the unsexy things about your ministry. Like what does the average Wednesday night look like as far as structure? Uh, you know, what are, are there any, you know, if, if you're doing a sermon every week, are there any topics that we should cover every single year? And we talked about this a few episodes ago. Uh, what events throughout the year do you want your youth ministry to be a part of? Uh, you know, we've done an episode on a couple episodes on mission teams. Uh, you know, our, our kids go to a summer camp. We've got a fall retreat that we're going to do coming up in October, different things. And, and then obviously those are bigger building blocks. You, you also have your events. Like we just did our spring formal event. Uh, you know, some of those smaller events as well. Missions giving oriented events, uh, stuff like that. Like how, what what is that short-term and that long-term plan for your ministry beyond just that kickoff week? Uh, put some time and some energy and some effort into thinking through some of these things before yeah. you launch. And that way you won't be uh, you know surviving on a week-to-week basis. Well, and it,
1: it really does help because you can integrate some of that follow-up plan into your kickoff, right? And so like- Oh yeah, for you know, sure. You can have, what's your follow-up plan? Are you going to do like, hey, you guys are all here You know, hey, for our drawing, instead of just putting your name on a little piece of notebook paper that's scribbled, here's an actual, we call them connect cards. So, name, phone number, are you on social media? All these things will help retention. And it's one of those good things to help keep. And so, you know, just I'm I'm a numbers tangible guy. I think it would be helpful by the time you get to your kickoff, you have the next two to three weeks planned in terms of what you're going to speak on what you're going to do so that those following weeks you're not just in survival mode you're actually planning more ahead
0: yeah and sometimes what we'll do is you know that that thinking ahead and retention piece is key one of the things we've done in the past is if we ever do like a giveaway sometimes we will give away like a discounted price to one of our next events if we have a fall retreat And, you know, at the fall retreat, maybe we'll give away a half off to our winter event. At the winter event, we'll give away a half off to our summer camp, you know, something like that. Kind of keep kids pushing forward to uh, to what next, what is
1: next is a really good way to do it. Yeah, and I think, you know, that really kind of ties into our last one is in terms of this is probably a big piece that you're going to want at any point in your youth ministry, not just to start, but you need to figure out to start, what it looks like to have your youth group exposure. How are you going to market things? How are you going to be represented? You know, social media is a really, really big thing right now. You know, the days of mailers and and dropping things in the mailbox is still around, but it really, you're finding many more churches, many more youth ministries putting their time and energy into creating a buzzing social media platform with followers, with you know, videos and good photos and all this different stuff because that's what people are looking for right now. You know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, if you were looking for a church, you would open a phone book, you would drive around, see what looks good, and you would choose from those two things. Now, you type in churches in my area, maybe, or you're on Facebook one day and you see one of your friends post a story or post something on Facebook of a church that looks cool. Hmm. That looks cool. They take the church with them. You go to the church page, you figure out more about them. You're good to go. And then you go check it out. And all of a sudden, bada bing, bada boom, you're in the church too. You know, like it's, it's important to know how you're going to present yourself to the public.
0: Yeah. And you know, I mentioned at the beginning, these are not necessarily in order, uh, one of the things that falls under this umbrella, and I'm almost embarrassed that we didn't put this higher on the list. What are you going to call your ministry? <laughs> uh, you know, like your ministry needs some sort of a name. Right. And and so that, I do think that that is something that needs a lot of thought. Um, you know, if if your church is Eagle Crest Church, uh, Eagle Crest Youth, you know, might it might be as simple as that. Uh, it, it, you know, that's kind of one of the big first decisions you have to make is: Do we want that name to you know be very associated with right. the church as a whole, or is this something that's going to be its own thing? Uh, you know, I I see the you know the Instagram posts all the time or different places where they're all just kind of making fun of like if you grew up in the you know if you grew up like if you're a millennial you definitely went to a church whose youth ministry was ablaze or potter's house or ignite or you know like all these different the alabaster things. jar exactly it's so i i do think that we need a little bit more purpose and less cliché in the name of our ministry uh you know i still struggle sometimes when not struggle, but I, I feel uneasy sometimes about the fact that our youth ministry, our name is not Riverdale youth. Uh, and so that's, but I also like the culture that our name sets is so apparent in our youth ministry that I don't want to change it. And so, but it is a conscious decision that you need to make. And that's something that's worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, you really want to, there, there's a whole thing um, about branding. And so whatever you're going to do, stick to it. You know, the last thing you want to be doing is changing your name every other year because you're not that you're stepping back, but in a lot of ways you are, uh, you know, you, you want to get that exposure out. You want to represent yourself well. And uh, that name piece really is, I, I can't believe we did potentially miss that, but
0: I know that's uh that's a little embarrassing, but we didn't miss is. it. No, just
1: for the record. No.
0: We uh, we did not miss it, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah, no, but I want I want to kind of tee you up here for this rant because I please think, do. I, I think what happens is you see a lot of these churches, and by the way, um, as a very much aside. If I were to ever plant a church, Eagle Crest Church is definitely gonna now make its way to the top I That of the list.
0: was off the top of my head, so I appreciate yeah, well that done. you'll at least give it some consideration. Yeah, I absolutely. will say. So this is—I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast before. There's a church up here in the Twin Cities, and their their whole mission is multiplication. You know, they yeah. want to multiply. I think I think that the original church is like Wooddale. Or okay. something, it's something yep. along those lines, don't quote me on it, but every church that they plant, right, they train people up in their church yep. and then they send them out to church plant either in their area or across the country, across the world, I don't know. But every plant that they send out either has the, wo- the word wood or dale in the name. Nice. And so like Wooddale is the original church, Woodcrest, Woodridge, Woodhaven, Woodhaven, uh, Woodbark, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> or what a it's, name. or it's, you know, like, I mean, somebody asked us once if we were one of those churches, cause it was Riverdale, uh, you know, Ridgedale, yeah, sure. you know, whatever, you know, take your pick. Um, I, I think that that's just a really cool... Yeah. Uh, just another thing with church right. names and ministry names, but yeah. it was a really cool idea that uh, that I had never heard of before. So it was kind of like cool.
1: That. But anyways. I like that. No, but I there there is this idea that if you want to do something, do it big, right? Like I think a lot of... we a lot of... And I'm going to call them unhealthy ministries. Not unsuccessful, just unhealthy. There's a lot of ministries out there that... They have a great Instagram page. They have great pictures. It looks like it's a happening place, but they're not healthy. What I mean by that is they can draw a crowd, but they're not reproducing themselves. They're not training up kids to seek after Jesus. They're not, they're getting kids in the door and they're having a good time, but that's about where it stops. And there's not a whole lot of depth to what's going on. I think there's a big reason for that. And, you know, it's just, As you go along, there's going to be a very, very big tendency for you to do something. And that tendency is natural and expected. But I think it's very important to be cognizant of it because if you aren't, negative things can happen.
0: Yeah. Whenever you are, uh, you know, the leader of a youth ministry, there are different metrics that are important to track. Uh, You know, like, for example, if you have uh, your big, youth services weekly on Wednesday nights, Wednesday night attendance. That's probably something that you should track. Yes. Uh, other, other metrics, uh, different event specific metrics. It's going to come up to, you know, your specific vision and what you do or do not want to track. What do you want to put the time into everything like that? One of the metrics that is important to to us in our youth ministry. And unfortunately it wasn't something we really started to track until like a year ago, so I'm still four years away or at least two years away from having any data on it. But are our students still like, Do is their faith alive and active three to five years after they graduate? Mm. That is that is something that has become really, really important uh, to me as a youth pastor, because if the answer is no for a majority of our students, then we are failing as a youth ministry. Well, wow. And so one of the quotes... The, and this comes back to you know the DNA of your youth ministry. one of the quotes that is not original to me, I don't know where I heard it first is "How you get them is how you have to keep them And I think that the biggest uh, the biggest application to that in youth ministries is giveaways uh, yeah. and and the culture that you set like giving away a PS5 at an event, giving away tons of gift cards uh, is super fun and there's a time and a place for it. You're going to draw a crowd. And you will probably draw a crowd if you if you advertise it and market it well. Uh, we Side note, we just did an event. Have you ever heard of squishmallows? Are you familiar with those, no. Derek? It's it's basically a, a like a fluff pillow thing, okay. but it's in the shape of an animal.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, am, like, I am familiar. Yes. You know,
0: different animals yep. and whatever. Uh, well, th- apparently the cow squishmallow, like there are TikToks of people that camp outside of Costco for 24 hours. Waiting to get access to a squishmallow cow. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, we ha- we happened to run across one at tar- at a Costco not knowing it was a huge thing and we were going to give it away as a prize and then we found out that it was a huge thing and it was we had some students that were very excited at the possibility of winning this Quite thing in the world. I know it was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, but like my point is giveaways can be really really fun. Uh, however, if the giveaways are a major part of what you do, when that dries up, some students might stop coming, all right? And, and that applies to your youth ministry culture as a whole, because if you want your youth ministry to just be a bunch of bonfires and video game nights, that's great, all right? and And that might have a place. But if you want your youth ministry to be about the word of God and his presence, I would say that that's even better because that is going to lead to more students who still have their faith three to five years after they graduate than a youth ministry that is primarily about bonfires and video game nights. All of these things have their place, but what is your primary focus? What is the primary vision of your youth ministry? You know, it's okay. To, if you are building a brand new youth ministry from scratch, it's okay to start off right away with like sound biblical teaching, right? Worship would be an awesome thing to have right away in your in your services. And one of the things that you know the, the comeback to that is that, oh, a, a kid might not come if we don't have a bunch of fun elements. And this is kind of the the pinnacle of this little rant of mine here. you know this and this might be a pop, an unpopular opinion and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, the, the youth ministry, that's all about the fun elements probably won't prepare students to be a part of the church as a whole someday. And if a kid might not be ready to come, that's okay. Yeah. It it is okay. If a student is not quite ready to attend your youth ministry, if your youth ministry's vision is, is heavy on the God's presence and the word of God. Yeah. You know, you don't want to like force the kid into doing something they don't want to do. Keep the relationship there. Keep the door open at all times. Yeah. But you also have youth students in your youth ministry that you don't want to necessarily slow down for. Yep. And so, you know, all of these, like the fun elements have their place. Again, I gave away a stupid stuffed cow (laughs) at a youth event Uh, you know, we gave away one of the other things that I will say on giveaways, like experiential giveaways, we gave away two tickets to Valley fair, which is a, like a theme park yep, essentially like a bunch of roller coasters, all that jazz, uh, you know, give away two tickets to that giving away, you know, stuff that is experience based, I think is a really, really underrated type of type of giveaway, um, you know, versus a caribou gift card. Right you know, uh, but when it comes to building a youth ministry that is sustainable, you get to start from the scr- from scratch, from the ground up, as Dan and Shay would say, when, when you are doing this, if you're in somebody like Tristan's position and focusing on the things that are going to help make that faith last and then bringing the other fun elements in to support that rather than the other way, rather than the, it's almost like a bait and switch of let's do like these bonfires, let's do video game nights. Okay. And then we're going to try and slide Jesus in here somewhere. You know, he's the afterthought. And I don't know, I just don't like that, uh, that idea of youth ministry.
1: Well, I love looking at, I've been doing like an in-depth study on like how Jesus has interacted with his disciples, just because that's really where I went with Easter. And I've kind of been using that as a, as an example of how we are church going forward. And I think what's so interesting is Jesus obviously reached a ton of people in his earthly ministry here. He's reached way more than that, obviously before and after, but earthly ministry I'm talking about right now. We find that Jesus did two things. He went out into the world and met people where they were at and met their needs, but he also would take the much needed time to pour into his disciples. And so I think as a youth ministry you have to see both sides of the spectrum. I think there is a tendency we need to reach people 100%. That that should be the focal point. If you're just looking to just, you know, build a cool ministry and not reach people, I would say you're building it on very shaky ground. But we also cannot neglect the need to raise up the kids that we have and to give them the tools and the skills needed to go after God with all of their heart. And so it's not an either or. You're not just a church that is going to give away PS5s and, and, and reach people that way. You're also just not a church that is just all about discipleship. It's got to be a both and thing. And so however you do that is up to you. But I, I did love that that tangent of yours because it's kids are smarter than the bait and switch they're, 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 they're going to come for the one giveaway and they're going to jet because they don't want that. They're not ready for it yet. And that's okay, but they will be we just, I think that the being genuine and real is a much more healthy, long-term effective thing. So I liked that point a lot that you had.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope that helps, uh, you know, Derek and I hope that, uh, you know like any episode of our podcast our goal is to you know share what little knowledge we have and and hopefully Emphasis inspire a little
1: knowledge yes
0: obviously um hopefully inspire some, some youth pastors youth ministers youth leaders across the country across the world cuz we are worldwide uh, to be, you know, to be better, to strive for for more of God's presence and and higher levels of youth ministry. And so, uh, with that, we thank you all for uh, joining us on today's episode. Uh, we do want to say, just real quick, uh, real quick plug: next week. Uh, we are going to be dropping our much anticipated part two uh, to our purity culture discussion. our Our first episode was a few about a month ago uh, where we talked about uh, some of the our problems and our rant against purity culture and so uh, with this episode next week we are going to dive into uh, okay now what. Uh, you know some of the things youth pastors and youth leaders can do uh, to, to talk about purity, to talk about sex, to talk about dating uh, in a beneficial way. And so uh, be sure to come back next week to tune into that episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, constructive criticism, or unconstructive criticism, we will take it all if you email us uh, at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, but that does it for today's episode. On behalf of Derek, I think I'm going to go cold call every church in America to see if they want to be a sponsor of our show.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye.